0: Hi, time hackers. I'm Jacques, and I'm absolutely obsessed with everything about time. Time hacks, tips, and tools. I want to squeeze every minute out of my schedule and make the most out of life. I've co-founded numerous startups, including Stacks, a tech unicorn valued at over a billion dollars. Constantly having lots of irons in the fire, while my wife Yvonne and I raised three kids, has required me to develop a lot of time management and self-reflection skills. On this podcast, I'll discuss some of the things that have helped me. More importantly, we'll learn together by interviewing fascinating people that have their own perspectives on time. Welcome to the Taking Your Time Podcast. Hello, Time Hackers. This is Jacques, and I'm here with Mason Dorner. Mason is the co-founder and chief ads officer at Ascendit. And he helps e and SaaS founders build billion-dollar brands. He's worked at all kinds of companies. From unicorn startups valued at over a billion to large brands such as Disney, Mason, thank you for coming onto the podcast. and how are you How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'd love to maybe just start with talking a little bit about your journey, how you got to where you are today. Why, why marketing?
1: Well, I started my career off actually in sports management, which uh, for those not familiar with that degree is a uh, a degree for people that basically want to be football coaches or work for a minor league baseball team or something like that everybody thinks that they're going to go work for the nfl or work for the mlb but they end up in those sorts of really unglamorous low-paying types of jobs so i had a uh, i had two jobs in the sports world and they were actually sort of cool one was running a snowboard park and the other was running a wakeboard park i was a uh, operations director at one and a gm at another and uh, while those jobs seemed super cool you know, being in extreme sports and all that it was working 80 hundred hour 80 to 100 hours a week in the Texas heat. That's where the uh, the Wakeboard park was. And what I didn't know before I signed up for that job is I actually had to help build it. So I was doing construction in Texas in the summertime. And so I did that for a year and I had 40, 50 employees working a ton of hours, ton of responsibility and making like $45,000 a year to do it. (laughs) And So after that, I was like, all right, there's got to be an easier way to make some money. Air conditioning sounds really good right now. And so part of my job was running the website, running the social media. I did a couple of ad buys for this wakeboard park. And so I kind of got to thinking of, I think I like this marketing thing. I think I'm going to try to specialize in that. And so I went and I did an internship to learn how to do Facebook ads and Google ads and SEO, and did that for four months, and then from there was able to land an actual like real marketing job with uh, Universal Studios here in Orlando. So that's how I kind of made the entry uh, into the marketing space and 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 why marketing.
0: That's a that's an amazing story, and it's I I always find it you you don't always know exactly what you're going to enjoy doing until you you get out into the workforce and you start working on projects. So. I think it's it's just uh, really cool how you kept an open mind and found your way in, even though you you kind of started off a, a different direction. Would you ever consider going back into uh, sports
1: management? Or are you pretty much <laughs> done with that world? <laughs> I mean, i've I've always thought it would be cool to enter back in. Well, to do something in the sports world, but also the marketing realm. Like an example, I, I've always thought it would be cool to work with the WWE in some capacity because they're based here in Orlando. There's this big global brand. They're, they're an absolute marketing machine. So if I could get into the right engagement or right project with a, an organization like that, yeah, it's certainly something I'd be open to. It's it's most fun to market and sell products when it's a cool, fun product that you relate to. And really, we've had, as a company, we've had the most success when we've worked on projects that we do relate to, that we do actually use the product, because there's just another level of passion and another level of familiarity that comes with taking on those sorts of projects. So, yeah, absolutely, I would love to do you know more stuff in the sports world within this kind of new skill set that I had versus operationally running a sports facility. Yeah, that that
0: makes a lot of sense. Maybe talk to me. I know you worked at uh, Disney. You were doing marketing for them. Mm-hmm. What what was that experience like?
1: Yeah. So the experience at Disney was really amazing. I mean, obviously I moved on from there at some point, but I have have nothing but good things to say about my time there. That was really, I think, a major leveling up for me personally, just because the, the budgets there are so big, the partnerships with Google and Facebook are so incredibly tight. So in my role, I came in as a contractor and then I was able to work myself up to basically being in charge of paid search, Facebook ads, YouTube ads, pretty much all digital ads for Disney World as a whole, except for display ads was the only thing that I really didn't run. Call it, I had 80% of Disney World's digital marketing budget that I was dispersing and that I was managing. So huge budgets, a lot of revenue. I mean, almost a billion dollars in annual revenue that I was responsible for. So really good experience. And, And when you're spending at those levels, you get access to top folks at Facebook, top folks at Google. So I got to really see the inside of their product development, which was a very cool experience. Like I got to be the alpha for several <laughs> new products and new types of ads that they were rolling out and give feedback to their engineers and give feedback to their product teams. And like, it's this is old hat now, but like 360 video where you move your phone around and you look around inside of a video. I was the first person in the world to run that as an ad for, for Facebook. And like, Another thing is like dynamic product ads, like little carousel ads, or you've looked at a product on, on a website, and then you see the same product with like five other suggestions on Facebook and you scroll through it. So we actually took that and at Facebook suggestion, they're like, Hey, this is working great for e-commerce, but you guys have 26 hotels. What if we could show the hotel that somebody looked at and suggest to five or six others in this carousel format based on what they've engaged with and what we've identified as them being most likely to buy, would you guys be up for it? And of, of course we were. That, so we started out with dynamic product ads, hacking them together for for hotels. That is now dynamic ads for travel. And that started with us and with my team doing the proof of concept. So, so really exciting experiences like that. And then I think the other big thing I learned at Disney, honestly, was how to talk to people and how to present, which sounds dumb, but like I come from the math and science side of marketing and <laughs> there's a lot of really amazing data analysts that cannot present, cannot communicate cannot talk to people. I mean, they're, they're absolute geniuses and amazing at their craft. But to be successful in a big company like that, you have to be able to sell a lot of internal stakeholders and be able to present very well. And I think that was probably the most valuable skill that I took out of there was that communication skill and the ability to command a room, the ability to communicate, and which set me up for, I think, success and the ability to lead at, at Fat Merchant at Stacks. Yeah.
0: I mean, and, and would love to love to hear what, what your favorite thing was that, that you worked on at stacks here in a moment, but, but yeah, I, I, I do agree. I, that communication is so important, even when you're just kind of adjacently talking about how it impacts time, like a lot of, of, of time that we spend in our day-to-day lives is, is purely communication. So much of it is lost, right? You have an idea, something in your mind, and you're trying to convey that. And if, if you are, Unable to articulate what you're, you're trying to say. That's just that's just a huge waste of time for not only you for for everyone who has to listen to you, right?
1: Yeah. So. Oh, a- a- absolutely. And when you're trying to communicate something complex like digital marketing, where there are technical components to it. You have to be able to break that down to a non-technical audience, as I'm sure you can relate to as well. Being a, a CTO and being so in that space, it's not an easy task to break down technical things to a non-technical audience and make it understanding. And you can blow a lot of time giving an answer that's too long and not concise enough and still not get your point across.
0: So in general, how, how do you think about time as it relates to your line of work in, in marketing?
1: Sure. I mean, I, I think in general, like time is the most valuable resource that we have, right? It's it's the great equalizer. The rich can't buy more of it. It doesn't matter what you have. Everybody kind of has the same amount of time, more or less, in a day or on this earth or whatever. So I, I think it's extremely valuable. And I think it's probably one of the top, call it three deciding factors of the success or failure of a business is prioritization and using time correctly and, and efficiently. So when we think about our business and our partner's businesses, we're always looking at what can be automated? What can be outsourced? What can we take off of either my team's plate or the founder's plate so that they can spend their time focusing on the biggest needle movers versus tasks that are repetitive or maybe tasks that do need a person to do them. And it has to be manual because of the nature of it. But let's say the founder is a very, very smart person and somebody of a lesser pay grade or lesser intelligence could do this task, that's not a good use of that founder's time to spend on or, or our time or whatever the case may be. So we're always looking where we can outsource, where we can hire somebody, what can be automated, um, because it makes a big difference in terms of being able to then use that brain power and use that bandwidth to focus on the real uh, problems or real opportunities within the business.
0: How would you explain to a founder today, how would you sort of go about suggesting to a founder or CEO or anyone for that, for that to kind of look at the activities that they're doing Mm -hmm. and realize where, where they could cut some things out?
1: Sure. So we actually have a, a real world example, you know, this week, actually, we had a conversation. Um, One of the founders that we work with is the founder of an organic skincare brand. It's a million dollar company. She's done very well for herself, but, but she's still. It, it started out as an art, a crafty, artisanal, organic skincare type of brand, which meant that she was doing all the production herself. Now, she's hired one person to help her with the production, but it's all still being done by hand. And they're moving 1,000 units a month and doing the production by hand. The founder is still doing some of it herself. And so that was when we looked at it this week and went, hey, like, there's a better way to do this. We've never bought manufacturing equipment before we've never actually set up manufacturing but we feel like we can probably figure it out and we know it's going to save her time there's no reason for a founder to be filling bottles of skin product herself by hand when we can go buy a machine for a thousand dollars i mean literally we're on the phone with her my partner does a quick google search finds a machine that fills bottles a thousand (laughs) bucks that machine is going to save her like five hours a week for a thousand dollars and with that same five hours, she's going to spend time doing more biz dev and talking to more boutique stores that are going to carry this, trying to pitch to QVC eventually, doing more things that a founder should be doing instead of being in a back room filling bottles. So when you break it down of like, look what else you could be doing, isn't this A, so much more fulfilling, so much more exciting, and most importantly, more impactful to the business. And that's really what we try to break it down to is all just business impact and, and the business case for making those shifts.
0: Yeah, no, it, may, it makes a ton of sense. Maybe take a sidebar for a second here. I was producing your social and I had I saw a quote that I thought was interesting. It was uh, that you posted this, you can win by doing less than your competitors. Can you Can you talk a little about what you mean by that?
1: Absolutely. So the way that I think about that is that it's always better to be the best at one or two things and be the leader in that space and be known for that, then be okay at, at 10 different things. You're going to get more press, more attention, more customers by being the best at something than by being mediocre at a bunch of different things. And so that's how we we approach our our business is trying to focus on what we're really, really good at, which is e and SaaS. There's also a huge time savings for us by just focusing on those two things, because we have a blueprint for those two verticals that works 90% of the time. So we implement the same systems, the same blueprint. We're able to do it very, very quickly and it works versus trying to figure out some other random business. I don't know, B2B and industrial parts sales. We had one of those come through our door that wanted to work with us. And we said, no, because we're gonna have to learn a brand new business. We're gonna have to bump our heads. It's tougher for us to guarantee success. And so it just makes more sense for us to be really good at these two things and be known for being good at those two things versus trying to do it all. And maybe you turn down business here or there, but it keeps you focused on what you're the best at and what you're the most efficient at, and what you were able to do the most quickly with the highest rate of success versus trying to do all all different types of businesses or provide multiple services, multiple products, multiple feature sets, whatever the case may be, this principle applies to, to every business. And you know, even more so within our business, we we don't do creative. We come from the math and science side of marketing. We focus on revenue generation and business operational efficiency. Really, those two things are what we focus on and what gives the biggest lift to the founders that we work with, bringing revenue in the door, retaining customers, and finding operational inefficiencies. We don't want to spend time designing banner ads or cool stuff for social. Like All that stuff has value, And we could probably hire a creative director. I've run creative teams before, like at stacks. It takes me longer because my brain doesn't naturally work that way. I'm very much more right-brained. And so when we run into those cases or somebody needs creative services, we have a couple of different creative shops that, and they're amazing at creative and they only do creative. They're not a one-stop. They just do this one thing and they're amazing at it. And so we pull them in on those things. And so that's how we like to approach business is just picking the things that you're really great at and focusing on those things. And you do that, you're going to beat the one-stop shop. In our case, that offers every different marketing service and every different ad platform. And they do social and they do copywriting and they also build websites. So they also do analytics. Like you just can't do everything and be the best at every single thing.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think that is a hundred percent true. We've you know, found that at Stack, I've seen other businesses try to be everything to everybody. And it's just a huge res- recipe for failure. Um, so I totally, I totally get that. So it's, it's a very accurate uh, quote that you posted. It feels like this would extend pretty easily to your, your personal life. Do you feel prioritization and, and focus is something that that's helped you? Were there times where you realize you're maybe doing too much or, or not really picking those, those few things that, you really want to be good at. And I'm just curious if there are any examples from your personal life.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there are. I mean, within my personal life, I would say like my priorities first and foremost, like is my wife and my family after that is, is my, my own self-care and my own health. Those two things are always kind of at the top to make sure that I take care of, because if those two things aren't taken care of, well, nothing else in life really matters and everything else falls apart. So I always make sure that I'm trying to prioritize those things first before for other things after that I do a lot of a lot of charity work and a lot of philanthropic work but even within that I've had a few times where I've been working on too many different causes at once and I haven't been doing a good job for anyone I've been kind of doing the bare minimum and not not delivering to any of them because I spread myself too thin so now when I'm working on philanthropic projects I try to only have one or two going at, at one time because otherwise nobody gets everything that they need and then it's just it's not a good experience for anyone and how do you
0: like personally decide or choose which, which of those things are? I imagine that can be the cutting process can kind of be tough.
1: Sure. I So I'll stick with kind of the philanthropic security space. for For me, it's, is it going to, what's going to have the most life-changing impact on a real person and with a name and a face. I I don't really like giving to large, nameless, faceless organizations. I mean, those organizations are great and they have their place, but like I personally wouldn't go and donate to like a United Way. So I I look at, and I also look at the other resources that the the person in need has. Like if me and my organizations don't step up, do they have other options or are we it? So like if we're the only lifeline and it's gonna make a major life-changing impact on them, then that's kind of what the barometer is versus things that are, I don't know, nice, nice to have or or aren't aren't going to make a life-changing impact. I mean, like just examples are like we are we're really passionate about raising money for dogs for kids with autism. That is significantly life-changing every time we do it because it's quality of life for the kid, it's safety for the child, it's peace of mind for the parents. So like that's a big that's a big impact. And so that's why we like those sorts of things, because it meets those criteria of your blessing. One person, you're making a real impact on a person with a name, with a face, and you're you're providing them a life changing resource. And so that's how that, that's how we evaluate within that space versus, I don't know, running a 5K for some random charity organization. It just doesn't feel like it carries the same real world instant impact that one to one giving opportunities do.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I really like how you use impact as sort of your, your benchmark for what, what you rank higher than others. And I think that's, that's pretty universal. I, you could extend that to a lot of uh, things and just take a look at what things are going to be impactful to you or maybe to others. And uh, those can be the, how you decide what you're going to focus on and what you're going to prioritize. We, I, I, saw a post, and and I'll read it off because this is something that you had shared on social. So it goes, I'll just read it off here. There have been so many late nights that she was understanding of so many times when she picked me back up after I was burnt out or knocked down, so many meals that she cooked and brought to me in my office so that I could stay heads down and keep working, and multiple surgeries that she had nursed me back from, when I had cancer and I know as opposed to kind of thanking your, your wife for helping you and being where you, you are in life, has that changed how you think about time, how you think about time with her or how you spend it and, and anything else you, you want to share about that, that moment in your life?
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is amazing. She is a huge reason, probably the biggest reason why I am where I'm at today, because she's always supported me and she has saved me a lot of time and made it possible for me to prioritize those things that were high impact in the businesses I was working for. And even for my business by taking care, she's taking care of a lot of the lower priority items or, or and a lot of the personal items that were high priority in terms of just keeping our household running, you know, keeping our extended family happy, spending time with them, things like that. Like, and even like I said about the meals, like there, there's been so many times where like I'm in the middle of a project and she knows I'm in the zone and that I work better. And that I, if I stay head down, I'm going to get a better end result. And it's actually going to take me less time versus stopping and starting. So she facilitates me being able to stay in that stream of consciousness and continue working and staying head down when I, when I need to. And even talking about when when I had my multiple surgeries, I had a kind of a uh, I, I don't know if you call it a birth defect or deformity or what, but I, I had a very rare condition in in both of my eyes that required an experimental surgery in order to fix it. I was also diagnosed with cancer, had to have my abdomen cut open, have a tumor removed. Um, both those surgeries were within about thirty days of each other. We call it a string of bad luck, but you know I was able to bounce back way way faster, both you know in spirit and in body, because I had her supporting me helping cooking cooking meals for me getting my medication for me making sure I was eating the right stuff to heal up faster helping me do the physical therapy all that stuff and so she has saved me and given me back massive amounts of time and now that I'm in a position where I'm just running my own company and I have a little bit more flexibility in how I prioritize I'm one of the things I'm trying to do is give give more time back to her and back to us cuz we sacrificed a lot over the first 10 years of my career to build up to where we are now and so now that we're in a place where there is more flexibility and more room, I'm really consciously trying to give more time back to her from me, and more time to our relationship. Now that we're in the season of life where we're able to prioritize those things,
0: that's that's really nice, man. And I can totally, I, I don't, you know, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't say if it, as much struggles as it sounded it, like like you went through, but certainly I've 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 had moments where I put a lot of pressure uh, on my wife as well. So I, it's really inspiring to you know hear you focused on kind of balancing that back out and re- returning the favor, if you will, to uh, someone that, that loves you very much. So um, I, I really like hear, enjoy hearing that. So I, I wonder if there's anything that's, you know, you, you, it could be your morning routine. It could be your evening routine. If there are any like sorts of processes, but sort of your day-to-day of things that you feel save you time and kind of get you in the right low anything you'd like to share in that realm?
1: Sure. We can talk through through some morning routine stuff. I don't think it's anything too remarkable, but especially since kind of moving to this full-time entrepreneur lifestyle, there've been some changes in the morning routine. I mean, I basically budget an hour from the point that I wake up to the point that I need to be, you know, seated in a meeting or or head down working, whatever the case may be, which I feel like is pretty efficient given everything I have to do. So, you know, wake up shower put on clothes all that stuff I've actually <laughs> Jacques following in your footsteps a little bit I've I started wearing the same thing almost every day now <laughs> so it's black shorts or black pants and a, a black shirt and our branded hat like I'm wearing here today is basically what I wear every day we're a black polo but I bought like 10 black shirts from the same brand actually for built <laughs> and I just pull one of those off the rack every day and that's what I wear or a black polo if I really have to dress it up right so That's saving me some time, not picking out outfits anymore that I'm not going to an office and I'm just seeing people on zoom every day from the chest up so I can get away with kind of wearing the same thing. So that's been actually a pretty big time savings in my day.
0: It's Uh, it's so funny how slow you are at making decisions like first thing in the morning. It's, it's really not to have to do that or delay it to some other time.
1: Oh no, it's 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 great. I mean, after I get dressed, I head downstairs. I, again, I've you know touched on some of my health challenges a little bit. So I I take like fifteen or twenty different supplements and medications every single day. Oh so wow, those are those are in a basket next to our refrigerator, and I just go. It takes me about five to ten minutes to take them all. But again, they're in a basket; they're all lined up, and I just grab grab one, grab the next one, and as soon as the basket's empty, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Throw them all back in the basket. It's kind of my checklist to make sure that I take them all. Versus having them loose on a counter or something, so just start pulling stuff out of the basket once they're all out. I know I've taken them all, throw them back in. Any
0: in particular that you feel have uh, you know made made a significant impact or stand out?
1: Yeah. Vitamin D is a really good one. Liquid vitamin D capsules. Most people in the U.S. actually have a vitamin D deficiency and vitamin D does a lot to give you. And it's kind of just an undiagnosed thing um, that most people have never been tested for. So it's definitely worth, I think, for everybody to test their vitamin D levels. And then if they're low, go and get one of these supplements. That's giving me a lot more energy. And then another kind of biohacking optimization type supplement or two of them really. One is pregnenolone, which is basically a building block for all your other hormones. So if you're short on that, which a lot of times if you're a stressed out person or you're working in a high growth startup environment or under pressure, you're probably short on pregnenolone, which means you're gonna be short on testosterone and your thyroid hormones and all that stuff. And then the third one is called DHEA. So this is a supplement that just gives you massive amounts of energy it's totally healthy, totally legal, but it's so effective that it's it's illegal for professional athletes to take it. Like Olympic athletes can't take it, MLB players can't take it. It is considered to be performance enhancing, even though it's totally safe, it's herbal, but that's a really, really good one. So I started taking two of those in the morning and then I'll take another one early afternoon to help me get through the day. So, I mean, I'd say those are kind of my top three that have helped me and that I've seen the biggest results from. That's
0: awesome. I do take the vitamin D, but I'm going to have to check out a couple of those as well. That sounds, that sounds really intriguing.
1: Yeah, Um, DAGA is great. And then I basically eat the same thing for breakfast every day. That's another time saving is, uh, it's just, uh, this like flavored egg white protein drink. So I just pour it straight out of the jug. It's got like 30, 40 grams of protein in it. It's eggs are. A super complete food to begin with and are really good for you. So I just drink this egg white mixture every day and that saves me another five, 10 minutes having to, you know, having to cook breakfast. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Why?
0: Yeah. I have to come up with some, some new concoction every single day.
1: Yeah. So the supplement stuff standardized, my clothing standardized and my breakfast is standardized. I, I think between those things, I probably save myself 30 minutes a day, every day. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, thanks for sharing that with the audience. You guys heard it. Those are uh, definitely some tips that you can, you can take away as well. And, you know, I really appreciate you uh, coming onto the show today and sharing your story and the challenges that you've had. It's really inspiring and, you know, what uh, maybe we'll just uh, take a moment and maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Ascendant and what, what kind of uh, customers should be coming to you all.
1: Sure. Yeah. So. Again, tying into this theme of time that we talk about in this podcast, really, we're in the business of saving founders time. We help them get from point A to point B, from very small revenue amounts, to very large revenue amounts faster and with fewer mistakes than they could on their own. Cause we've, we've done it before at multiple companies. I've done it with you at Stacks. And so that's what we're in the business of doing is for SaaS founders and e-commerce founders who have proof of concept already. So they've gotten a few sales. Like we don't like helping people go from zero to one because you may you may find out that there's not a demand for this product. So there's, we, we like working with people once they have proof of concept, small amount of sales, people want this thing, the product is proved out, okay, it's time to blow it up. And so we come in and pour gas on the fire via Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads. And then what sets us apart from like a marketing agency, we consider ourselves to be a growth agency is if I come in and I pour in all these customers and all these sales, and you don't have the infrastructure to support it, the business will break. And then we'll have to slow down the advertising and the customer acquisition or turn off those things, or you'll lose all the customers that we just got you. And so we're able to come in and set up things like a customer support ticketing system, like a Zendesk. We're able to set up for our e-commerce customers automated fulfillment. Like that's one of the things we're doing for the woman that was making all her stuff by hand. She was also sending it out herself. We're getting her hooked up with a really warehouse. Really full service then. Yeah. So that she doesn't have to touch the product. So we're really are full blown kind of business consultants where you're the scope for us really is your entire business. It's not just marketing. Every other marketing agency is just going to charge you a fat retainer and they're going to you know get you leads or get you sales or whatever. But what about lifetime customer value? You know, we, we deliver to three, four, five X, the lifetime customer value that other marketing agencies deliver because everybody else is just worried about getting customers in the door we continue to talk to the customers and have a whole retention and cross-sell upsell playbook where we've got one brand that we're working at. We've gotten their reorder rate up to 77% and it's not a subscription product. Almost 80% of people we've gotten to buy this product multiple times over and over. When they started working with us, it was like 25%. So yeah, it's really a holistic business consulting operation to help Ecom and SaaS founders grow their business very, very quickly in a healthy, sustainable uh, manner.
0: And yeah, maybe it's a new category, re- revenue agency, instead of kind of using yeah, I, your marketing expertise and your business operations to scale.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, no one else is really is really doing it, at least that I've run across, and doing it in in this manner. And so there's not there's not a name for it, so it's always a little bit weird explaining it because. And even when people come in the door and even when we're pitching people, everybody comes to us because they want Facebook ads or Instagram ads or Google ads. And we're like, okay, that's cool. We can do that. We're great at it. But there's all this other stuff that you don't even know you need. That's actually going to be even like more important than that.
0: That's awesome. Well, you, you, you definitely, you sold me. So I I really think it's a, a very valuable service and I can definitely see a lot of the customers needing this. So this is great. Well, thank you so much again thank you. for uh, coming on the show and really, really appreciate everything. And hopefully we'll, we'll talk again real
1: soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks
0: for listening to today's episode. If you like the show and would like others to hear about it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the number one way other listeners find the show. Thank you for listening. And remember, life is how you choose to spend your time. Please use it wisely.